Amen. Amen. Well, I want to just thank our worship team for coming, being here this morning. And I just want to say good morning, Living Stones. It is great to be with all of you today, even though we can't be together here at our church family or here at our, our church gathering together. It's so good to be able to be with you through just the miracle of, of our technology that we have right now. I tell you, it, it's hard coming here on a Sunday morning and not being able to see you guys and hug your necks and be around you and just wish you just a, a warm Sunday morning greeting. I, but I am so glad that you are joining us here today. Um, and, and, I, and I just want to just want to tell you a few things. First of all is I've been so encouraged this week that, that in the middle of where it just kind of seems like everything was just falling apart and everything was closing up and all this, I was so encouraged just by seeing so many people that have really just come together to encourage one another during this time. I, I tell you, there, there's something about a crisis that really does bring people together, that there have been teachers that are willing to help out parents who are trying to teach their kids at home for the very first time. Mu museums and zoos are doing these, these free online tours and, and all that to share with, with the kids. I, I was even following, there's a, there's a very large church where they were inviting other smaller churches in their area to come use their facilities so they could record a message like this to put out online. And, and places just giving things away. And, and so many of you that I've seen online just reaching out to one another, engaging with each other, I just want to tell you how proud of you I am that, that this, this crisis that we find ourselves in has really been bringing people together. And, and I just want to encourage you, Livingstone, let's continue to reach out. Let's continue to be the church during this time that we are in right now. So uh, there's a couple things I just wanted to share with everybody before we get into our message today. The, the first one is, I just want to tell you how thankful I am last week for everybody who joined us last week and everybody who's joining us right now. If you haven't already done so, I'd encourage you, share, share this post on your own Facebook feed. Let's get this out to as many people as possible who can, who can hear and, and, and really hopefully be encouraged by the, by the Word of God this morning. But not only that, I, I want to tell you how, uh, just how grateful I am for the engagement we've been having. If you've noticed, we've been trying to put a lot of things out on Facebook, engaging with people on social media this week, of trying to stay connected, even though we're apart right now. And, and I'll tell you, if, if, if you haven't already, follow us on, on your Facebook feed, engage in, in the conversations that are, that are taken on. It's going to be so important for us to stay connected during this time, comment, engage, talk with, with other people. And if you're here with us this morning, I want to encourage you, just give your church family a shout out. Let us know that you're here. You can also check in with us on, on our LSC app. You can follow along all of our scriptures and our notes are going to be on the app as well. But just let everybody know that you're here and, and feel free to engage with one another during the message as well. It, it's a great way to, to talk and engage with people even though we can't be together right now. Now, the, the second thing I want to share with everybody is this also, is I wanted to let you know how appreciative we are of everybody who has been continuing to give online. That, that during this time, you know, our, our church is still, we still have bills, we still have expenses and things that we're trying to do to serve you, to serve our community. And I just want to thank everybody who's been faithful in, in giving online. And if you haven't yet, this would be a perfect opportunity for you to go online. In fact, we're going to have the, the links to this in the comments below. But you can go online and you can set up an online account. You can give safely, securely. You can even give, put, put in for recurring giving. And, and really what that does is that helps us be able to minister to you, to be able to minister to our community, those around us during this time. And, and, if, and if that's not your thing, if giving online is not your thing, 
you can still write us a check. You can mail it here to the church office. In fact, that's also going to be in the comments below that if you just want to mail your tithe check in and, and give in that manner, that's great too. But what you are doing is you are allowing us to be able to continue to minister to you, minister to those in our community. So I just want to thank everybody who's continuing to be faithful in their giving. I also just want to say this to you as well, that we're not going to do it this Sunday, but next Sunday we're going to have communion together, that even though we can't come and partake of communion like we typically do on a Sunday morning, I want to encourage you that next week, grab some crackers out of, out of the, the cabinet, pour yourself some juice, and we're going to partake of communion together. Even though we won't be together, we can still do it uh, virtually online like this. So, so next Sunday, when we gather together at this same time at 1030, make sure you grab those crackers, grab some juice so that you can um, have communion together as a family. It's going to be great. And, and, and most of all, Living Stones, I just want to let you know how much we genuinely love and appreciate every single one of you guys. We have been praying for you diligently. We, we've been uh, just asking God just to do some incredible things in your life, in your family during, during this period of time. And I just want you to know how much we love and absolutely care for you. And if there's anything, anything at all that we can do for you, any way that we can serve you, any way that we can love you, that we can encourage you, I want you just to reach out to us. You, you can drop us an email. You can reach out to us on, on our church app. But let us be able to be an encouragement to you during this time. And, and, and again, we just love you so very much. And, and it's, it's the honor of our lives to be able to serve you and to love you. So if you have any needs at all, please, by, by all means, let us know, and we're going to do whatever we can to try to minister to you. So let, let's pray, and then we're going to dive right into the Word this morning. So Father, I, I just want to thank you. God, thank you for your presence, that even though we're not all gathered together in one place, I'm so grateful that your, your presence doesn't reside in a temple. It doesn't reside in, in one single place, but God, that, that every single one of us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that your Spirit is with us, that your presence is with us wherever we're gathered, wherever we go, Lord. And, and God, I just pray that you are just going to minister to everybody who, who is following this, everybody who's watching this this morning, everybody who hears my voice, God, that they're going to be encouraged by you today. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. God, we, we just give you the rest of this time, and we commit it to you, Lord. Let it bring honor and glory to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Livingstones, let me share with you just a, a, a few moments about my dad. I, my dad is he's one, of, one of my heroes, and, and a, a number of years ago, my, my dad, he, he's always been fascinated with flying. He, he's always loved it, and, and a couple of years ago, when, when he was getting close to retirement, he decided he was going to take pilot's lessons, and he actually got his pilot's license. And I've, I've flown with my dad a, a couple times over the years, and, and it's really, it's, it's a total different feeling being in a little two-passenger Cessna versus being in like a 747. You definitely feel the, the turbulence and the bumps way more in a, in a little uh, puddle jumper plane like that. But there, there's something, there's a term in flying that's called spatial disorientation. I know it's a big, fancy $10 term, but what, what spatial disorientation is, is when you lose the ability to determine your location, your motion, and your position relative to the environment. And, and, and so like if, if you're flying and you have like a reference point, say, say like a water tower or something like that, you can gauge your direction, you can gauge your speed, you can get your bearings of where you are based on that reference point. But what if you lose that reference point? What, what, if, what if you lose sight of that, of that water tower, or, or maybe perhaps you, you don't see the horizon anymore? 
You're, perhaps it's gotten totally foggy. You're flying at night and you don't see any lights anywhere. Or, or maybe you're flying through a cloud. It's very easy to get completely disoriented and not know where you're going, not know the direction that you're going. And it's in moments like that that that's what you need your gauges for. That when you're flying, you need to be able to rely on your gauges. Because your gauges aren't going to lie to you. Your gauges are going to let you know exactly where you are. They're going to let you know your speed, your altitude, your attitude, your, your direction. And if you, and for those moments when you get disoriented, you, we need to trust, we need to rely on those gauges. Because if, because if in those moments you trust your feelings about, no, I, I feel like I'm going north in this moment, but I'm, I'm completely disoriented, your gauges could be telling you something totally different. And really, it, it could end in a complete disaster if you ran on your feelings versus what your gauges are telling you. And, and what I shared with you last Sunday was that during this entire coronavirus situation that we find ourselves in, that we can trust God, that we can trust God to bring us through this, this entire thing. But what do I do when I feel disoriented? What, what do I do when, when, I, when I, I want to trust God? I want to believe that, yes, I can trust Him no matter what, but I'm constantly being bombarded with all these negative messages. I, I'm, I'm going to the store and I'm seeing empty shelves and all this. Like, how do I still trust God when I'm feeling completely disoriented by everything else that's going around me? Because it's easy to say those words. It's easy to say the words, well, Lord, I trust you. God, I trust that you are going to see me through this. But it's a completely different story to actually do it. When, when life is hitting you in the face, how do I still trust God even in those moments? And, and this is not a unique thing to us here in the 21st century. Th this is something that people, that Jesus followers throughout history have had to wrestle with. How do I trust God when everything around me seems like it's going crazy. And not just Jesus followers, but anybody who has known God at all has tried to reconcile and had to wrestle with these same questions. How do I trust God? How do I trust that God is good when it seems that life is not? When it seems that life is not good, how do I still trust that God is good even in those moments? And how can I trust that God is going to help me with my situations and lead me when, when everything around me leads me to believe otherwise. And, and a large percentage of the psalms, if you read through them, are psalms of lament, are, are really where the psalmist is questioning, God, where are you in the middle of my plight? Where, where, are, you go, where are you in the middle of what I'm dealing with right now? And psalm 10 is, is a perfect example of this. Psalm 10 verses 1 through 2, the psalmist writes, he says, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide in times of trouble? And in fact, there are, there are entire books of the Bible that are dedicated to questioning where is God in, or why does God seem so indifferent when I'm dealing with terrible times, when I'm dealing with pain, when I'm dealing with things in my life, why does God oftentimes seem indifferent? The Old Testament pro prophet Habakkuk actually wrestled with, with these same these very same questions. And, and normally, uh, what a prophet would do is a prophet would hear a message from God, and then he would go and talk to the people on God's behalf. Well, Habakkuk was actually different. What Habakkuk did is he talked to God on the people's behalf. And, and I love the way that the book of Habakkuk begins. In, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, he asks some very pointed questions of God. He says, How long, Lord, must I call for help but you do not listen. 
or I cry out to you violence, but you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? God, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. And, and you can hear kind of the, the anguish that, that, the, that Habakkuk is having in this moment. He's saying, God, I know that you're good. I know that I can trust you, but I look around and I see everything else that is telling me the contrary. Everything else around me makes me think, well, maybe God can't be trusted. And, and these questions that, that the psalmist was asking, these questions that Habakkuk was asking, are some of those very same questions that we are asking today. That can I trust God when everything around me seems crazy? Like, can I trust that God is with me, that he's for me, when it feels like everything in life is falling apart. And, and, and we all know this, that trust is foundational. Tr trust is the foundational part of every relationship that we have. It, it's the bedrock on which relationships are built, whether it be a, a marriage, a business, a, a, a church, or just a friendship. And, and so the definition of trust I want to share with you is this, is the act of placing confidence in someone or something else. And when a relationship breaks down, it's usually, not all the time, but it's usually because of a trust issue. And this is especially so even with our walk with God, that, that many people have walked away from God and have done so because they felt God couldn't be trusted, that God couldn't be trusted anymore. And, and what trust issues often do is they, they cause us to pull back. Trust issues cause us to, to, to retreat inside ourselves because we don't want to open ourselves up to hurt. We don't want to open ourselves up to disappointment anymore because it feels like that person doesn't have my back. And, and, and again, th this happens in people's relationship with God all the time, where, where, where they thought they could trust God, where they thought God was good, but God didn't come through like they thought he was going to. Like, that, that if I was God, I would have done something about that. If I was God, I would have changed that situation. I would have healed that person. And, and, and you get those moments where you say, all right, God, I know your character. I know you're good. I know I can trust you. But why, why does it seem like you're indifferent? Why does it seem like you don't care sometimes? Why does it feel like you don't always have my back? And, and in those moments, it's easy for us to distance ourselves from God. And it's, and it's these types of questions that I want to talk about today. The, this wrestling that we have between faith and fear, between trust and doubt. And, and I want to share with you from my own personal experience this week that I had uh, that really kind of brought this totally to mind. It really brought, provided some, some clarity for me about this. That I went to, I went to Walmart on, on Wednesdays, and I'm walking around, and I, there were bare shelves everywhere. Like the, the toilet, there was no toilet paper, there was no rice, the, so many of the canned goods were gone, there was no bread. Like you're looking, and, and, and really throughout this entire thing, I've been, I've been really pretty good about it. I've, I've not been freaked out, I've not been scared or anything like that. But when you walk through the store and you're seeing all these bare shelves, and it really starts to make you question, it, it makes you a little bit nervous, it makes you scared, saying, all right, what if this goes on way longer than I think it is? What if, what if my family has needs and now I can't meet those needs? And, and I, had to, I had to stop. And I had to ask myself, am I going to trust God? Or am I going to let fear take over? Am I going to trust God or am I going to let fear take over? And, and this wrestling that I had reminded me of the story of the father in Mark chapter 9 who desperately wanted to believe Jesus. 
He, he wanted to believe Jesus was who he said he was, and yet he was wrestling with some doubt. And, and his son, his, what it, his son was, excuse me, was possessed by an evil spirit, and his son was brought before Jesus. And I want to read you this account right now. It's in Mark chapter 9, verses 20 through 24. And so they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love Jesus' response. He says, if I can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And and this is this last statement. I want you to catch this. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe you. I believe that you can do what you said you can do, but I'm still wrestling with some unbelief. I'm still wrestling with some doubts. And, And I find myself in this same conundrum, and I, and I imagine many of you probably do as well, that, 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 Lord, I do believe. Lord, I do trust you. But I need you to help me overcome my unbelief. I need you to help me overcome my doubt. Help me to trust you when I feel troubled, when I feel worried, when I feel concerned. And, and so, so what do we do? What do we do when, when we are, are feeling this kind of this wrestling, the, this tug of war that we have going on between faith and fear, between trust and and doubt. What, what are some things that we can do to help us overcome those times of doubt? What can I do that's going to help me to trust God when those times arise? And so I have a, a few things I want to share with you this morning about what we can do to help us trust God in those moments. So the very first one I want to share with you is this, is that we need to adjust our expectations. We need to adjust our expectations. Now notice, I didn't say that we need to lower our expectations. I'm not, I'm not saying that. We're not, we're not lowering our expectations of God. But sometimes we need to adjust the way that we're thinking about things. Because oftentimes, when we've been disappointed in a relationship, it's because we have unrealistic expectations that are not being met. And, and, and I, I'm sure you've had those, those times, as have I, that, that we had expectations of somebody, and that person didn't meet those expectations that I had. And, and, and oftentimes, we will have those unrealistic expectations that we put on God, but that we also have in life. But the thing is, God is very straightforward with us. He's never going to lie to us, and as painful as it might be, God's always going to be honest, and He's always going to be truthful with us. I, I want to share with you a verse from Job chapter 14, verse 1, and it says, How frail is humanity, how short is life, how full of trouble. Like, and, and, and it even says it right there, how full of trouble our life really is. That, that we can't have this expectation that we're going to have heaven on earth. That there are going to be times where life stinks. There's going to be times where, where life does hurt. And as much as we wish that life was going to be perfect and that things were always going to go well, God never promises that we're not going to go through hard times. God, God, doesn't, uh, God doesn't say to us, oh, you know what? Things are just going to be easy. All you have to do is have faith and trust me. It's going to be a piece of cake. I, I wish that was the case. But God never made that promise. In fact, Jesus talks about this exact thing in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that it, excuse me, so that, 
so that, ah, I'm sorry, I have told you these things so that, in, so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. And here's the thing I want you to hear. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That we have to accept the fact that our world is full of trouble. Jesus even promised. He, he said, you know, I, I'm telling you these things. I want you to have peace. And I want you to know this, this world, this life that you live is going to have trouble. There's going to be things that happen that you don't like, things that are miserable. But I want you to take heart because the good news is Jesus has overcome the world. The, even though things are not always going to be great, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that he's not for us. It doesn't mean that he's not, he doesn't care. But what Jesus is saying is, in the middle of those troubles, in the middle of those hard times, I want you to hold on to me because I have overcome the world. Jesus is bigger than any, than any virus. He's bigger than any financial situation. He's bigger than, than any disease or sickness or any issue that any of us face. Jesus is saying, I'm bigger than those things. I have overcome every single one of them. And so we can trust God knowing that, that in the middle of the troubles that we face, that God is still, still bigger than them. The, the second thing we can do to help, us have tr- to help us trust God and have faith is that we need to understand our limitations. We need to understand our limitations. I want to share with you from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. And this is God speaking right here, and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. The, the way that we see things is not necessarily the way that God sees things. And the way that we think about things is not the way that God necessarily thinks about things. The, the memory verse that we challenged everybody with at the beginning of this week was Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. That, that our understanding won't cut it. God's ways are better and his ways are higher than ours. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren had, had a great quote about this and I absolutely love this. And he, he shared it this, this way. He said, if God was small enough for you to completely understand him, he wouldn't be big enough for you to completely trust him. And, and, and we need to embrace the fact that, that we have limitations in our life in, in the way that we think, the way that we interpret things, that God does not have. And, and if you've ever had a parent, which every single one of us have, every single one of us have had a parent, we know that we've been frustrated with them at times before because we didn't understand the way that they thought. We didn't understand the, their, their ways. Now, I don't know if any of you were like me, but I remember as a kid, I couldn't wait to become an adult because every, every morning, you know, like I would want to have ice cream for breakfast. I would want to eat cake for breakfast. And of course my parents said no which I didn't understand. I was thinking, well, we have ice cream, we have cake. Well, why can't I sit down and have ice cream and cake for breakfast? In fact, like I would, as a child, I would imagine after they put all of us kids to bed, like my mom and dad would sit down and they would eat all the sweets and and just gorge themselves on all the things that they were depriving us of in those moments. But when you become a parent, you have a little different perspective. And, and when, you, when those things, those ideas that you have start to change, those things that you didn't comprehend, those things that you didn't understand before, all of a sudden they start to become clear now. Like as a parent, I understand why my parents did not want to give me ice cream for breakfast. And the same reason I wouldn't allow my kids to have ice cream for breakfast either. Because when, when, we, when, you, 
we, will get, we have a different perspective. We have a different way of viewing and seeing things in those moments. And, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. And, and this is such a powerful verse. I want you to catch this. What Paul's saying, he's saying, now, the, the, the way we are right now in our present day and age that we're in, we see things, catch this word, imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, talking about when we are with Jesus forever someday, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. That, that we see an incomplete picture right now. We, we don't have the entire thing in view. But someday, we're going to be able to see the entire picture. That, that we're going to be able to see and understand things that God understands now, but that in our finite human limitations, we might not get at that moment. We need to be able to trust that God sees things and God knows things that we don't see and that we don't know. Now, the, the third way that we can try to trust God and, and, and deal with that wrestling we have between trust and doubt is that we need to trust in the goodness of God. We need to trust in the goodness of God. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, Moses wrote, he said, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? That just because people have let us down does not mean that God will, God will let us down. We can trust the nature and we can trust the character of God. And so we need to ask ourselves, is my trust in God based on my circumstances or is my trust in God based on his character? Is it based on his goodness? Because the goodness of God was proved out and lived out in the person of Jesus Christ. M many of us, if not all of us, have heard John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And, and if that does not demonstrate the goodness of God, I don't know, I don't know what does. And, and, and Paul actually expands on this a little bit more in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. He said, dare to die. But God, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. While I was at my worst, Jesus died for me. He loved me when I was completely unlovable. That's the goodness of God. That, that if I can trust him to give his life up for me, when I, when I wouldn't give him a second thought, when I was in the middle of my worst sin and he was still willing to lay down his life for me, if I can trust him for that, surely I can trust him to help me with the issues that I'm facing today. Surely I can trust God to, to help me deal with the situations and the circumstances I find myself in now, that God is good all the time. And we can trust him because he demonstrates that goodness to us all the time as well. Now the fourth thing I want to share with you about how we can learn to trust God is that we need to remember that God is the one who's in control. God's the one in control, not us. And this is something that, that I have to remind myself so often. And I've had to, especially over this last week. You know what? God has got this. God is the one who's in control, not me. And, and it might seem like there's chaos going on all around us, that the world may seem like it's in chaos, but God is not. The, the world might seem totally confused, but God is not. The, the world might seem like it's in trouble, but God is not. God has never called 911. He's never once been caught off guard. 
And, and, and I, I, what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, Paul write, writes this, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we have experienced in the province of Asia. Now, what, what Paul is writing about, he, he's writing about some of the issues, some of the, the, the trials and, and the things that he had to face. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about all the bad things that have happened to us lately. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Like things got so bad that Paul was saying, I, I started to despair. Like, is this life even worth living? Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But again, I want you to catch this verse right here. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises from the dead. What, what Paul was saying is, I endured all these things in my life, all these things that were so terrible to the point where I almost wished that I was dead. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, that this was not my problem to fix but that I would trust that God is the one who is still in control even in those moments. I, I need to remind myself often of this, that God is in control, and I can't rely on myself. I can't rely on my thoughts, my ideas, my talents, my abilities. I, and I, just to kind of give you an example of, of this, when Cadence, she's my, my youngest daughter, she's nine now, but when she was younger, we had just gotten a brand new dining room table and chair set. We, we'd never had a brand new one before, We'd always had hand-me-downs, and we were really excited. Angel and I were super pleased. We, it, was, it was beautiful. It was great. And Cadence decided one morning, she was about four at the time, that she was going to paint her nails. And so she got her nail polish and all of her stuff, and she sat down at our brand new dining room table, and she starts applying nail polish and all this. And, and like any four-year-old who's applying nail polish, she didn't get it just on her nails. It was on her fingers, which then got on the, on the table and and now we had nail polish on our brand new dining room table. But instead of asking Angela, Angela or I to help, she thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to deal with it myself. And she went and got the nail polish remover. And you might know where I'm going with this. And she takes the nail polish remover and she starts trying to clean up the nail polish that's on this brand new dining room table that we had gotten. Well, well the good news is the nail polish came off but so did all the finish that was on those spots as well. And so now we had all these streaks on our brand new dining room table that we had gotten. Now, and, and I'll tell you, in, in this moment, I, I, it, this totally clicked with me. She actually made the situation worse by trying to take matters into her own hands. Like she was trying to fix things. She was trying to do something on her own and actually made a bad situation worse. And, and I'll tell you, we don't have to try to fix everything that's going on around us. We don't have to carry that burden of saying, all right, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? The schools are closing, the shelves are... Some of those things are not our problem to fix. We have to trust and know that God is the one who's in control. He's the one that is working all those things out for our good. Just as we were singing that song this morning, He works all things out for our good because we are loved by Him and we're called according to his purpose. We need to trust that he is always in control. And then the final thing I want to share with you is this, of the way that we can grow our faith, that we can, that we can trust God when we have those, those moments where we're wrestling, is that we need to make sure that we stay connected. We need to make sure that we stay connected. And it, because it's dangerous. It's dangerous for us to do life 
on our own. You, you've heard me say this many times before. Because there's times where we misread our circumstances. There, there's times where we look at things and we're not looking at them in the correct way, that we're interpreting things incorrectly. Well, there's times in all of our lives where our thinking is off, where we, where we know we've kind of missed the boat on something, and we need other people in our lives for times like that. We, we need people who have faith when we don't have any. We need people who are going to encourage us when we're feeling down, when we're feeling scared, when, when we're having a hard time trusting God. We need other people in our lives who are going to speak life and speak encouragement to us in those moments. We need people who are going to have faith when we don't have any. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. It says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Community is so important. You've heard me say this before, but community is so important, especially at a time like this. Because what our community of faith, what our body of believers will do, it helps us point our direction back in, in point us back in the direction of God. That when we start to doubt, when we start to worry, when we start to feel scared, that we can encourage one another. That we can say, you know what? God has got this. Let, let me pray for you. Let me be there for you. Let me encourage you with this. We need one another, especially at times like this. And, and so I, I want to encourage every single one of you, get, be involved on, on our Facebook post that we're having. Re, you know, comment, tag somebody else, be an encouragement to somebody else in those times. But we need to make sure that we are staying connected as a church family in these moments. But not only that, I want to encourage you, take a step of faith. Be willing to call somebody. Send a text, send an email. Just reach out to someone and say, hey, just want you to know you've been on my heart. I've been thinking about you. Just wanted to encourage you this morning. Hey, I was reading this psalm today and I, and I, I thought of you as I was reading. You have no idea how far that is going to go with somebody that maybe that's the exact thing they needed in that moment. That maybe they just were struggling, they were fretting, they were worried, and they just needed somebody to speak some life and speak some encouragement to them. And, and I'm praying that during this time, that our church body, even though we're apart right now, that we can find new ways of connecting with one another. We can find new ways of engaging with one another and being able to lift one another up and to encourage one another during these times. And, and I want you to hear this as well. If you're one of those who's going through a period like this, where you're wrestling, where, you, where, where your doubt is overcoming your faith, where, where your fears are overcoming your trust, I want you to reach out to us. Like that, that's what we are here for. Send us an email, give us a call, whatever it might be. I wanna, we want to do whatever we can to bless you, to encourage you, to point you in the right direction, saying, you know what, I know it seems tough right now. I know it seems dark, but God's got this. Let's, let's pray together right now. It would be our joy, it would be our pleasure to be able to engage with you in that way and to encourage you in, in those moments. And, and I'm telling you, reach out to us. That, that's, what, that's what we are here for. So, so with that, I'm, I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in one last song in just a moment. But I, but I want to just kind of close with, with this final thought for you. And I said at the beginning, it's easy to say the words that, God, I trust you. But it's a whole other thing to actually live that out when things aren't going so well. When life all around us is crumbling, and it feels like things are, are starting to fall apart. But what I want for us, I want us to be 
a people. I want us to be a people that in this time where it seems like everybody has lost their minds, I want us to be a people who boldly proclaim that we're going to trust God anyways. That, that in spite of everything that's going on, going around, on around us, that we can still trust that God is there and he's with us and he's for us in the middle of all this craziness. My, my prayer for you this morning actually comes from the, the book of Jeremiah. And I want you to hear this because th- this is so key for every single one of us to hear. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, he says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. You are blessed when you trust in him, when you put your confidence in him. That they, those who put their trust in God, will be like a tree that's planted by the water and sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. That is my prayer for you this morning, Living Stones, that, that as we trust God, that we are going to be blessed, that we're going to be like that oak that's planted along the stream. And when the heat comes, we're not going to be afraid. And when the drought comes, we're not going to be worried. And in fact, that, that last sentence that it never fails to bear fruit, that in the moments of drought, that in the moments like this that we find ourselves in right now, let us never fail to bear fruit, but that when we trust God, when our confidence is in Him, that we are going to bear fruit, that we're going to be able to love others, we're going to be able to encourage others like never before. In the middle of this, this, let's be like that tree that's planted along the stream that we're going to be that love and that encouragement that other people need. God's got this. He's going to see us through all of this and let our trust be greater than our doubt. Let our faith be bigger than our fears. Let me, let me pray for you now. God, we just want to tell you how much we love you. And we affirm again this morning, God, that you are good. God, we affirm this morning, Lord, that you are going to see us through this, that we can trust you no matter what. That God, when, when we feel those times of doubt, when we feel like, like that father in Mark 9, that he said, Lord, I do believe. God, I believe you can heal my son. But I still have some doubts. Lord, we come to you this morning and we, we proclaim, we boldly proclaim as a church that we believe you, that we trust you. But God, help us to overcome our unbelief. God, help us to overcome those times where we do doubt, where we do question, that we would not walk away from you, but God, that we would boldly run towards you. Lord, knowing that you are our hope. You are the one that we can hold on to in these moments and these times of struggle. God, I pray for, for anybody who's listening today. God, who maybe is, is feeling those, those issues, those issues of fear, of doubt, of worry. God, that your comfort would be theirs right now. God, that you would remind them of all the times in the past that you have seen them through that you have made a way where there didn't seem to be a way. And God, let us as a church, let us as Living Stones Church, right here in South Bend, that we would be a people that boldly proclaim that we trust in you no matter what the circumstances say. That we're going to be a people that trust you despite what the news reports are, despite what we see going on around us. Lord, we're not, we're not going to be naive. We're, 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 going to, we're, we're going to understand that, yeah, things are happening. But God, that we're going to be a people who trust you no matter what. God, I pray that you're going to give encouragement to those who need encouragement today. And God, just as I was saying here at the end, God, that we would be the church in this moment. 
that we would reach out and love one another, that we would reach out to those that maybe are feeling discouraged, that maybe are feeling lonely, feeling fear, feeling worried. God, that we would be able to be that friend that lifts them up and picks them up and says, you know what? God's going to see us through this. Let's do it together. Father, we trust you. God, we love you. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.